As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today we're going to be looking at the Thunder's last two games in the Las Vegas Summer League and their final game before they either make the title or go into the consolation fifth and final game in Sin City. So I'll be recapping the games against the Orlando Magic and Sacramento Kings. Going to be previewing tonight's game against the Warriors and how the OKC could actually make the championship match because there is a lot of hoops they will need to jump through going into tonight's game. And to round things off, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. Starting things out, though, with their first game against the Orlando Magic, guys. This was supposed to be the Paulo versus Chet show. Number one versus number two. You already saw Chet duke it out against Jabari Smith in the Thunder's debut game in Vegas, but no cigar here. Paulo did not play against the Mag- um, excuse me, against the Thunder, and neither did RJ Hampton. So you saw a bit of a condensed rotation for Orlando. One thing that was nice for this game, Xavier Simpson, OKC Blue Legend. And I know you kind of toss out the word legend. Uh, sort of lightly when you're on like the Twitter space or whatever. No, Xavier Simpson is an OKC blue legend. There's, It's not, you know, a, a black and, or it is a black and white discussion. You know, it's a clear cut. He's a legend right now because he did an amazing job the last two years. He's trying to make the Magic's training camp uh, in Vegas. And with him getting a starting nod, obviously that's going to help towards his case a little bit. For the Thunder though, you know, it's kind of the same old, same old, a little bit of a rotational shift because Usman uh, Jang did not play, but you still had Giddy, Mann, Wiggins, JRE, and Holmgren. So this was kind of your routine roster that the uh, the team has gotten accustomed to in their previous games, both in Utah and in Las Vegas. But when you kick things off, I mean, you, you kind of see the OKC Thunder sort of had the upper hand because there's no Paulo, there's no RJ. For Orlando, you know, they're playing a lot of really good G League players, but not many guys that were uh, taking minutes on the Magic's rotation. And for OKC, I mean, they are just filled to the brim, basically, with Thunder players. You know, 12 out of their 17 guys on roster are guaranteed right now, and a lot of those are returning presences. So they made sure to let everybody know that they were kind of together here. They took a 31-14 to 14 lead in the first quarter, and it looked like everything was smooth sailing. You know, you saw Giddy and Mann kind of coexist. Both of them were picking their spots on the ball. JRE was able to get, you know, some rebounds and some points on the board. And Chet Holmgren, he had, you know, the first five points, I believe, for the Thunder, and he was cool sitting at a, a pretty five points after one, you know, and, and if you put him on the Magic Squad, he would have actually led them in scoring for the frame. No one had more than four points for Orlando in that first quarter. And once you kind of flip the page to the second frame, you know, you started to see things shift a little bit. Not like a seismic change or anything, because OKC had just a gigantic 
first quarter lead. Let's call it how it is. But start to see some players kind of chip away at this. And Xavier Simpson was the catalyst for that. Orlando, they took eight points back, ended up making it, you know, a bit of a closer matchup going into halftime, but he had four steals in the second quarter, and you started to see OKC break down just a little bit in terms of the ball handling department. They had nine turnovers in the second quarter, and it just led to a lot of extra opportunities for this Magic squad, who quite frankly needed them based on how they were performing in the first 12 minutes or first 10 minutes of the game. So OKC was up 47 to 38. You know, this was a situation where OKC probably should have been up 20 going into halftime. They had a double digit lead basically the entire way based on the skill matchup, you know, the potential team chemistry. OKC had the advantage there, but they just kind of faltered when it came down to it in the closing moments of the half. Trey Mann went two of eight. You know, he wasn't really in rhythm and Orlando, they were able to kind of pick them apart in some areas to make it interesting going into the third quarter. And this is when you sort of get into that jousting match where OKC has the cushion. Anytime Orlando makes a move, OKC makes a move right back. This was a back and forth 22 to 21 advantage for Orlando. So OKC's up eight going into the fourth quarter. Chet Holmgren kind of woke up though poking the bear a little bit he had seven points in the third quarter perfect three of three one of those being a triple super duper efficient in these segments of the game gotta go into that fourth and final quarter though man because this is where it gets really fun this was a game that was dominated by the thunder you know they are leading basically the entire time and it looks like it would stay that way. It looked like OKC would cruise to about an eight-point win. You know, it was a bit of a scare. They should have won by double digits, but it's okay. Well, OKC was not able to convert many shots in the fourth quarter. You started to see some turnovers going on uh, for the rotation. They did not make a three in this fourth quarter. And it came down to basically the final buzzer here, you know, where... Orlando, who was trailing actually the entire game, had the opportunity in the final two minutes to actually take the lead. However, they were not able to do it. There were some late stops by OKC. And the Magic, they had multiple tries to tie this game up from downtown, down three points. Misfire after misfire, though, and OKC sneaks away with an 84 to 81 win. So they ended up moving to one and one following this one. This was a nail biter that in all honesty, probably should not have been. They threw us kind of for a loop there. Um, but you know, they were able to at least salvage the W keeping them afloat for a potential match in the summer league championship. Because as I'll tell you guys later, if you have two losses, you're not playing in the finals. There's no chance with only four pool play games, you're going to play a fifth game as a consolation. There's nothing at stake there. So this was crucial for OKC to actually get the win here. And when you kind of digest the stats, you know, this is one where there were still some very good performers. Chet Holmgren was the player of the game for the Thunder. 7 of 10 from the field, 16 points and 10 rebounds for a double-double, 2 of 4 from downtown. Oh my goodness. He looked really smooth in this game. Emmanuel Terry, who 
was playing for the Stockton Kings in the G League last year. This is one of the beefiest power forward slash centers in the G League. This is not someone you want to mess around with because he's going to dominate you on the glass and dominate on the interior. He looked like he was about a six foot three point guard defending Chet Holmgren at the perimeter in this game. Just because the sheer length and size of Holmgren able to shoot right over the top of him and kind of pick his spots wherever he needed to in this game. So Chet passed with flying colors. JRE shot five of six for 12 points and seven rebounds. And you had two others dropping 12 points in this one. Josh Giddy, 12 points, seven rebounds and eight assists. And Aaron Wiggins, Mr. Consistency here with 12 points and three assists. This was not Giddy's greatest game. He went three of 11, did get to go to the stripe seven times, hit six of those bad boys, but this was more of the Holmgren game. You know, everybody was on fire in the first quarter, and then they kind of dried out a little bit. I would say Chet was the lone guy where you could depend on him from start to finish. Vic Kredci was another one, too. He only played 14 minutes, but he shot three of five to pick up seven points. He's been one of the Thunder's best players, actually. Even though he hasn't played more than 20 minutes in some of these games, He's still getting six, seven points when he's shooting three of four from the field. So that's a major plus if you're Cameron Woods. And going into tonight's game, might be good to evaluate him and potentially play him in the larger rotation for this team. J-Dub, he actually didn't play too well. He shot two of seven from the field, but you know he did shoot about 60 and 56 going into this game. The splits were ridiculous, so you're going to give him a pass. And you're going to go into your third game against the Sacramento Kings with your head high, hoping you can get another W and stay in title competition. I'm going to talk about the Thunder's third Vegas game in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000 and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Right now, guys, we have the Vegas Summer League on the very back end. One more game and pool play for OKC. Then they go to the consolation or a title shot. Still can throw down some cash on who you think the title winner will be in Vegas. I'll give you my prediction whenever we get into that later on in this podcast, but just something to think about. You know, when we got into this, Chet Holmgren was the front runner to be the Summer League MVP. Not sure anymore where he stands, but he's definitely up there. You guys might be able to make a pretty sweet bet in the final few days of Las Vegas. Anyways, though, guys, to get this offer, go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Continuing on, though, to the game against the Sacramento Kings. You know, I mentioned earlier about Xavier Simpson. I did say... um. In my uh, post that, or on Twitter, excuse me, I wanted to see Simpson launch a skyhook 
over Chet Holmgren. He tried it. It was a foul, but he got blocked, so it's kind of like an even split. We never got to see a true one where there was no foul call or he wasn't right under the basket, but um, we'll chalk it up as a win. Hopefully, we get to see that exchange happen again. If he signs with the Magic, certainly uh, want to see that matchup of Chet's just enormous size and Simpson's just pure finesse when he goes up for those post post hooks. It's, it's a real beauty, needless to say. Anyways, though, there weren't really many guys on this Kings team where you could draw any relations back to the Blue or the Thunder, but it still made for an interesting game. I think the big storyline, though, wasn't actually what happened uh, after tip-off. It's what happened before, and that was OKC deciding to not play Josh Giddy. They've sunset him for the remainder of Summer League, and they started it against Sacramento. This is something I talked about on SI.com slash NBA slash Thunder. Go check it out. I kind of brought up the idea of the Thunder sunsetting their roster. And, you know, this is something that caught flack. And in terms of the NBA product, the NBA wants to see the first round picks play. They want to see Paulo play. They want to see Giddy play. Uh, But when you're in a front office position, if you're working basketball operations, you know, it's not just about evaluating your first round picks. For OKC, They have a summer league team that I'm not sure we've seen before, where they could make a whole entire 12-man rotation um, of their summer league guys and put them into a regular season game if it happened today, because they're all under guaranteed salaries. Most teams, even with a couple draft picks, they still have about eight to nine guys that aren't signed just fighting for a contract spot. That's not the case with OKC, and they barely have played uh, their unsigned guys because of all these players. And this is a good thing to have, by the way, when you have someone like Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, who can play 20, 25 minutes in the uh, summer league and dominate and kind of get that chemistry building with Chet and Usman and, and J-Dub and everybody, really. But, you know, you have to look at the bigger perspective, which is you need to look towards everybody on the roster. And all the different voids in your team, not just at the NBA level, but also at the G League level. I think you got a good enough read on Josh Giddy last regular season, but now seeing him play with Chet Holmgren, you got the good idea, you know, after seeing him play in six games uh, to where I think it, it made sense to not play him against Sacramento, not play him tonight against the Warriors, and just have him rest until training camp begins uh, because it allows you to see more guys, guys like Usman, guys like Veet, and even to another extent, your unsigned guys such as Gabe Brown, Jaden Shackelford, etc., etc., because those blue spots are very valuable. OKC, one of the best in the business when it comes to getting their G League guys to get contract upgrades, whether it's a two-way deal or a standard deal, they create diamonds. So if there's someone that hasn't played yet that has been kind of shoveled away or, or pushed back because of your guaranteed guys, taking Giddy out of the equation, taking Jeremiah Robinson out of the equation, it's a positive uh, in terms of being able to evaluate your roster. So for the front office, this is a no-brainer call uh, for the fan base, obviously, it does stink, but they did not play with Giddy or Jeremiah Robinson Earl going up against the Sacramento Kings. Instead, you saw a starting lineup of Trey Mann, J-Dub, Usman, Chet, and J-Will. So you had Chet playing the starting four going up against Keegan Murray. So this was a really good matchup for, you know, prime time. Too bad it was on NBA TV. 
So unless you had a subscription, you were out of luck. Uh, but they hopped right into this one, and it was very similar to some of the games in Utah and their last game against the Magic, where OKC just, you know, they, they got a lead, but it didn't come all at once like some of the other ones. The first quarter, you know, was relatively just calm. You know, you couldn't really pick much out of the crowd here. Chet Holmgren had five points for OKC. Keegan Murray, he had nine points in the first quarter, so he was shooting like a flamethrower. It was still just a 19-15 game going for the Kings, though, so not much uh, in terms of um, the highlight reel that you could see just yet. Second quarter brought some change, though, and OKC was just feeling it. The biggest guy out of this was Usman, because with no Josh Giddy, he had to be an on-ball creator. Usman, in his first four games, was basically locked to the left corner where he did not look comfortable. And if he got the ball at the wing, he immediately passed the ball back because you had Giddy, you had Man. There just wasn't really room for him on the court because, you know, they're not really sharpshooters either. Someone has to play in that corner, and it happened to be Dang, just uh, based on the situation. With no Josh Giddy. Now you get to see why the Thunder actually selected Usman. It's not for him to play in the corner. And hopefully he can grow to where you're fine with him being in the corner. But he was selected based on his playmaking skills. This is a six foot ten on-ball creator who's able to take it in isolation, take it off a pick and roll, and find some teammates. He was able to get some of those on-ball reps in the second quarter, and he made do with it. Had a rainbow three ball that went in. Five points in the second quarter. Jay Will had five points in the second quarter. Hit his first three ball as a professional. And Trey Mann, too. He had six points. Both of his makes coming from three land in the second quarter. So OKC took a 16-point advantage in this quarter. And that means they're sitting pretty with a double-digit lead yet again. OKC's chemistry just popping off the page right here and... It looks like they were going to be good to go. Trey Mann, polar opposite game from his time in Orlando. He was uh, really not looking to pass the basketball against the Magic. And this one, you know, it wasn't like he was trying to play pass first, but he was looking to kick it out for sure. But also the shots were going in, which is going to make a, a big change in terms of public perception to how he plays. So he had 12 points and 5 assists by halftime. Usman and both, or excuse me, just Jay Will had five points. Chet Holmgren was a little bit on the quieter side, but he had three steals. So that was something that uh, you could kind of look towards moving on into the third quarter. And as the third quarter went on, it still looked like OKC was going to come out with this game. Piling on their lead, Usman still killing it. Still showing why the Thunder dumped three first-round picks into him. He went three of three from the field. All of those came on drives, I believe, and um, he ended up getting to the foul line as well. Split a pair right there. J-Dub was getting back in the action. I know he was inefficient against the Magic, but he was starting to cut again and just kind of filling in the cavities that um, you know were remaining due to the structure of the rotation, which basically says, hey, we need someone to sit in the corner and we need someone to cut from the baseline. He's going to do that, and he's going to do one hell of a job. So he was really good there. And defensively, too, they were just holding up the Kings. 2 of 11 from downtown, 7 of 21 in all. 
Keegan Murray slowed down a bit, and um, yeah, OKC looked like they were going to stroll into the sunset. It was not that easy, though. (laughs) And just like the time they had earlier in the week against the Orlando Magic, just chipping away at the lead. OKC typically was on the other side of this last year where they would be down 15 points and then they'd make it a three-point scare where they lose. Well, now they have a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter and you start seeing guys like Frankie Ferrari just start torching it from downtown. Frankie Ferrari was doing it. Keegan Murray was doing it. Everybody on the Kings roster was getting theirs and the pressure was just building up. Just some context for this Kings group. They played the Orlando Magic in their Summer League debut. And they had hit the most miraculous back-to-back threes I've watched in a while. They hit two threes in a matter of like maybe the last 10 seconds of the game to bring it to overtime. Went to double OT and they ended up losing. But um, they still showed that they had that clutch gene in them. And they most definitely did against the Thunder. OKC still sitting nice, like an eight-point lead, couple minutes to go. Full-court press comes at him, and it just goes haywire for OKC. We're talking jump balls, turnovers, and um, I wouldn't call it a sloppy game, but, you know, you could tell that they just hadn't been used to the full-court pressure yet, and um, you really didn't know where everybody was on the court. So, J-Dub might have gotten the basketball, uh, off an inbound pass, and he'd get pinned down in the corner, and he wouldn't have many teammates to kick it out to safely. So just really good defense by the Kings, and it made it to where you know they could actually uh, attain an overtime shot and try to win this basketball game. Luckily, that did not happen, uh, but this was another scare where this could have been a 15-point, 20-point lead for the Thunder, or 20-point win, turned to a single-digit nail-biter. And even though it doesn't change the win column, they're 2-1. and one. As I'm going to talk about in a second here, this is really big in terms of the Thunder's chances of actually being in the championship game. Keegan Murray was the star of the game. He had 29 points on 9 of 17 shooting. But how about Chet Holmgren for the Thunder? Looks quiet when you look at the, the big three here. 8 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. But he had six, or excuse me, five steals. And that is the most we've seen from a Thunder player in a Las Vegas Summer League game yet. So, big time play from him. Trey Mann with 15 points. And Usman, clearly the star of the game. He had 12 points and seven rebounds. Finally looking like himself with the basketball in his hands. One thing about Usman, which I've mentioned on Twitter before, and it it's not based on whether he has a good game or not, because I, I talked about this against um, the Rockets, and then I talked about this after the Kings. There's a bit of a different perception, and um, I, I think obviously it's warranted, but you need to look at the long-term view. I think the Thunder are probably going to move Usman down to the OKC Blue in November, NBA season starts in October. G League season starts in mid-November. The Thunder have a history of dropping guys down. Trey Mann did it last year. Alexei Pokashevsky also did it last year and the year before that. And you bring them down just to give them a more amplified role. What are they good at? Let them play their style, but also at the same time, force them in those uncomfortable situations where, you know, if you're shooting 0 of 7 from 3, 
it's still a win because it's not like there's high stakes right now uh, for the OKC Blue and even for the Thunder. You know, they're still experimenting. But right now, I think Usman would actually benefit greatly just having a, a one-month trip down to OKC for the Blue. There's not a bad there's a bad rap to it, right? Like the G League seems like a turnoff whenever you hear it at first. It should not be. You get to play legitimate players and a lot of which should be on two-way deals or could be NBA caliber. They just need to fix up on a little bit of their game. You play him down there, surround him with some shooters, let him be an on-ball creator and let him practice from downtown because we know he can create on the basketball. But with Josh Giddy playing, with Trey Mann, with SGA, just everybody out there, it's very hard to give him that role uh, from the get-go. I think he'd have to stay in the corner once you get into the 82 games. So an adjustment would be needed. The best one would just be playing him a little bit with the OKC Blue. And given he just turned 19 years old, there's still a glob of potential. And playing him just a little bit over there, I think would actually help a lot in the long run. We're not going to see him in tonight's game, though. Same goes with Josh Giddy. Usman suffered an injury on his right wrist, so he will be done for Summer League. Uh, however, the OKC Thunder still have some high stakes going into this basketball game. They need a major win, though, in order to uh, push themselves into the G League Finals. This is an ongoing story I've been covering the last two days. But here's the updated breakdown on the title odds for the OKC Thunder. So the top two teams make the championship game. Everyone else plays a fifth game with zero stakes. There's five teams with a 3-1 and record. And there are seven teams with a 2-1 and record. OKC is included in this bunch. The way that you settle tiebreakers for Summer League is plus minus. So how much do you win on average in a game or... How much do you lose by on average in a game? So let's say, you know, I win by one point in my first game and I, um, you know, I lose my next two and and whatever the case is, you know, I'd be one and two uh, with a negative plus minus. And even if I go two and one, let's say I won my first two games by a combined eight points and I lost my third game by 12 points, I would have a negative 1.3 plus minus. So, you know, you can have a negative even if you have a positive record. The big story here is how much do have you won by collectively over your four games. And OKC has the advantage. They know what the target mark is going into tonight's game. Um, but they have to hit a very high bar. And they're playing a Golden State Warriors team that is stacked. James Wiseman, Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody, Mac McClung... List goes on and on. This is a scary team that is going to put up points on you. And they're going to need to play elite defense and have an excellent offensive game if you're an OKC. They rank 8th in the tiebreaker, which is plus minus right now. But because only the top two teams make it, they have to climb a significant hill in order to punch a spot. The New York Knicks basically have secured their seed They have a plus minus of 11.8, so they're good. They're the leader at 3-1. Right behind them, the Portland Trailblazers have a 8.3 plus minus. So collectively, they've had a positive 33 in the four-game box score. OKC 
in their three games is plus seven. So that is a 2.3 plus minus. They have to cover 26 points tonight to even tie for this opportunity to play in the championship game. 27 would push them to the undisputed number two spot, but because there are still multiple teams that are two and one, there are seven in total. We're not even going to know until the literal final buzzer. And the scariest one uh, would be the New Orleans Pelicans. They have a plus minus of 29 in total right now. So all they need to do is win by five, and then they jump to the number two spot. So if they win by 10, you know, it's going to be as good as gone for OKC. They need a perfect game. We're talking a 300 type of game if we're on the bowling alley. That's what they need tonight. And they're going to have probably a watered down roster just based on what we've seen in the rotation. No Giddy, no Poku, no JRE. We'll see more Veet minutes, probably Gabe Brown minutes. I think that they are probably done. I think the towel has been thrown, but if this is a blowout where they're up 20 points in the first quarter, you know, there's some potential for OKC to actually make some noise and maybe, just maybe with a miracle, getting into the final two. But I'll keep you guys updated throughout the game. This is going to be crazy for the Thunder if they're able to pull this off, win by 30 plus points against a roster that is just filled to the brim with NBA level talent. So I'll keep you guys updated on that. Get you guys updated on their fifth and final game here once we get that news rolling in. But that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. So I really thank you all for listening to this one. And I will talk to you all next time. See ya.